We've been talking about five things that Jesus said. And these five things that Jesus said are very odd things that he has commanded us not to do, which is why we're calling them the in commandments, the thou shall not do this. And for the most part, most of these words that we've covered so far don't really make sense to us until after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Things like said not, things like fear not, things like judge not, things like doubt not. And today's knot is probably the most difficult knot for us to understand and the most difficult knot for us to actually deal with. And that knot is worry not. And think about that just for a second, to worry not. How absurd does that really sound? If you were to come up to me and say, hey, you know what, Matt? This week has just been terrible. I've been stressed. I've been burdened. I just have been hitting one obstacle after another. I'm so unsure if I'm going to make ends meet. My health is failing. It's just everything is crumbling and falling apart in my life. Matt, I am so worried. And I just look at you in the eyes and say, don't worry. You're like, oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Matt. Like divine healing and revelation in my life. Like your discernment has saved me from eternal damnation, right? No, it never happens that way. As much as we would want it to, it doesn't come that easy. And so it's confusing for us to hear Jesus address this crowd and just say, don't worry, worry not. In fact, when Jesus is commanding, when he's talking to his followers in one of the earliest parts of his ministry and one of the earliest messages he gave, he phrases it specifically this way. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. It's not a, oh, by the way, you probably shouldn't worry. It's not a, hey, look at that. Don't be concerned with this. He's saying, no, therefore I tell you, I'm commanding you, do not worry. And once again, we struggle with this idea because we don't know how to reconcile this idea of not worrying because that's what our human nature and our lives is built all around. And so this morning, I want us to take a look at what Jesus really meant by what he said in this phrase. And I think to start off, it really comes down to one simple question that we need to ask ourselves. And the question is this, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life or anyone else's? Let me say that again, because I want you to think about it. Who of you by worrying can add even a single hour to your life or to anyone else's? If you're like me, the answer is I can't. Nobody that I know can. For me, it's more like who of us by worrying has lost an hour of our life or who of us by worrying has driven someone out of our life or who of us by worrying has driven people out of their minds, right? It's not this idea of who of us by worrying have reduced our debt, have increased our faith, have expanded our wardrobe. No, it never happens that way. And so if this idea of worrying hasn't done any of that for us, if worrying doesn't add any value to our life, it makes sense for Jesus to say, don't worry, but it's something that we can't fully grasp. It's something that we struggle to understand when he gives us this phrase, don't worry. But I think it goes so much deeper than this. It wasn't Jesus just looking at the crowd, hearing their problems and saying, hey, don't worry, peace out, I'll see you later. No, he says, hey, it's not just about this idea of don't worry. It's the fact that I'm going to give you something to replace the worry in your life. I'm going to give you an alternative. I'm going to give you an idea of how not to worry. And that's really what we're going to focus on this morning. Not this idea of do not worry, but how does Jesus tell us not to worry? 
And this comes from our passage in Matthew chapter six. So you'd follow along with me. We're going to start in verse number 25. It says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. See, Jesus immediately gets right to the heart of what worry is all about. See, worry is about the later. It's about the future. It's about tomorrow. It's about what's next. It's about the unknown and what comes from it. That's why he says what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. And these specific things, what they would eat, what they would drink, and what they would wear were very big primary concerns for the people of Jesus's day. But when we think about that, that's not really our concern, is it? We're not really worried about what we're going to eat because just look at all the options that we have around us. In fact, we actually fight in the parking lot of churches over where we're going to eat because there's too many options, right? Most of you have been there before. We're not really worried about where we're going to drink or what we're going to drink because there's a Starbucks less than half a mile in every direction of this church, right? We're not really worried about what we're going to wear because if we're honest, we clean out our closets once, maybe twice a year trying to get rid of clothing because we have too much. So these first century Christians, if they were to come in here, they would look at our lives and they'd say, man, you must have nothing to worry about. We would say, no, we have worries of our own. We have financial worries. We have tuition worries. We have mortgage worries. We have marital worries. We've got job worries. We've got faith worries. We've got political worries. We know what it's like to worry. But yet still Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry. No matter what it is, do not worry. And Jesus continues this in the next verse by saying this, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? What he's saying here is, isn't it true that your life is worth more than the things that you're worried about? That if you were to take and put front and center, whatever it is that's consuming your life and worry, whether it be health or a surgery or finances or provisions or a job or family issues, if you were to take whatever that main focus of worry is and put it right in front of you, he's saying, isn't your life worth more than that one specific thing? Because when you worry about anything, you're equating your life, the entire life to that one specific thing. But God says, no, I want you to remember that if you feel that life is more than that, and I want you to hang on to that because that's such a huge idea. If your life is worth more than this one thing, you need to learn to move beyond it, to move past it and see your life as a whole in the big picture and not this one specific instance and learn to grow from it. And then Jesus, he goes on to say something that we would kind of see as irrelevant or completely out there or off the wall and no idea why he would say it. Continuing on, he says this. He says, look at the birds of the air. Now, when I read that the first time, I was like, look at the birds of the air. Like I can imagine being in the audience when Jesus said this, talking about worry and look at the birds of the air. Like, look at the birds of the air. I have bills to pay. I've got presentations to prepare for. I've got job interviews to work on. I've got marital therapy. I've got all of these things going on in my life. Look at the birds of the air. No offense, Jesus, but isn't that an old person sport? How do I look at the birds of the air? And I'm sure some of the people in the audience were doing this as well, but we miss out on a very important connection. You see, we are in a building. We're in a room. When Jesus taught this, he was on a hillside. 
And he may have been talking about this idea, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, because isn't your life worth more than these things? And he's giving this passionate message and this flock of birds flies by. He's like, look, do you see the birds of the air? And everybody looks up. They're like, yeah, that's great. I see the birds of the air. Wouldn't it be great to be so free and have no worries like the birds of the air? Jesus is like, that's what I'm trying to get at. That's the very point that I'm trying to make here. This idea of all of this. And he goes on to say this. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now in this verse, Jesus says something so important. What he's looking at here. He's saying you have this extraordinary advantage over all of my creation over all of nature. You see, you can sow and you can reap, which means you have the advantage and the potential to plan for tomorrow, to think ahead, to prepare yourself for what is to come. And in light of that, if you have received something that God has not given to any other part of his creation, the ability to prepare for what is about to happen, why would you worry? Why would you stress? Because isn't your God bigger than these things that exist in your life? And he says, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Says these birds of the air, they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. They don't have a concept or the idea or a way to prepare for what their life will look like tomorrow. Yet your heavenly father still provides for them. So if your heavenly father would prepare and provide the birds of the air who don't know about tomorrow, how much more do you think that he is going to prepare and provide for you who has the ability to plan ahead, to know what is going to happen, to work yourself in that manner? And he even points this out and he says, aren't you much more valuable than they are? He's saying, look, I take care of even the birds of the air. The least, the smallest pieces of my creation, don't you think that you are worth more in my eyes than they are? Because if you do, you have no need to worry because I, your heavenly father, even provide for them and I will provide for you as well. And then he takes us to the question that we kind of started off by asking. He says, can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? What he's saying is here is what do you feel is the most important part of your life? Is it health? Is it well-being? Is it a purpose for existence? Is it finances? Is whatever that is, isn't your life more than just that thing? And if you were to worry about that, can you add anything to those things? Can you do anything about that by worrying? Does it give you any advantage in life? He says, no. And he keeps going. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Now you may be thinking, you know, Matt, I go to church. I consider myself a good Christian. I've read the scriptures. I, I know a lot of things, but I really don't believe that God professionally tailors every blade of grass. I struggle with that idea. It's, he's giving this figure of speech here. But what he's trying to point out is this idea of God will provide. And the question is, do you trust that God will take care of you? 
Do you trust that God has your best interest at heart? Because that's what the real question is all about. That do you have value in the eyes of the Lord? That if God has done what God has done for all of nature, that if he's done what he's done for all of the flowers of the field and the birds of the air and the grass, and if he truly loves you and he truly cares for you in your life, don't you think that he has your future on his heart? That he has your best interest at the forefront of his mind? That he wants to love on you, that he wants to take care of you? And if you do believe that, why are you worrying about tomorrow? Why are you worrying about all of these things in your life? Is it that you're not trusting God with it? Because that is the question. Do you trust that God is bigger than the worries that you are currently facing? And Jesus, he kind of illustrates this by poking fun at the crowd a little bit. He goes on to say, you of little faith. And I like this passage because something happens here in the Greek that we miss out on in the English language. You see, when Matthew was writing this, he was writing in Greek. In Jesus, he was speaking in Aramaic. And Jesus, he spoke this phrase and everybody kind of chuckled and laughed. And Matthew's like, I, I don't know how to write this in such a manner that conveys the same mentality that Jesus was saying. So he takes these two Greek words and he puts them together. And this combination of words isn't used anywhere else in the New Testament. In fact, the combination of Greek words that Matthew uses isn't found anywhere else in the entire Greek language or in the history of the Greek writings. It's like Jesus was giving a play on words. It was rhetoric. It was supposed to be funny. It made everybody chuckle. He was trying to make light of the situation. And so Matthew says, how can I write this in such a way to convey this idea? And so if you would be writing it and kind of looking more at what Jesus actually said, it would be more like this. Will he not much more clothe you, you little faithers, you? See, it makes you chuckle. And that's probably what they did. He's like, come on, seriously, how big is your God? How incredible is he? How important are you to him? How great is the creator who has grafted and designed all of the universe, all of nature, all of creation, all of you? How big is he in your life? And yet you don't trust him with the little things of tomorrow? You little faithers, you. Right? It's this amazing mentality that he's trying to get at, but that's the problem. It's trust. And it's confidence because we really don't wake up each morning saying, God, I trust that you're going to take care of me not only today, but tomorrow as well. I trust that you have my best interest at heart. And in the middle of today, as we're starting to worry and think about things, we reach into tomorrow and we smuggle into today the worries of tomorrow and we overload the emotions and everything that we're going through today. But Jesus, he says, no, I never intended your life to be like that. I never wanted anything to be like that. And you need to realize your heavenly father, he's got this. Don't try to reach out and rob tomorrow of its struggles and bring them into today because your heavenly father and my heavenly father, he will be for you what you need him to be today. Then he will be waiting on you tomorrow to also be what you need. He will never leave your side, but you have to believe and not worry. And Jesus, he brings it back to this idea of the future in the next verse because he knows about it. He says this, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? And then he says this, for the pagans run after these things. Now the term pagan here isn't necessarily a derogatory comment. 
It's used in the phrase of everybody else, the people who don't have a personal relationship with God, the people who don't know what it is like to have this connected, all-being, providing father. And he says, the pagans, they run after these things, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Let me ask you a question, because I think this is so important. What if you absolutely knew? What if you were certain without a doubt? What if you had no conviction in your heart that your father knows what you're going through and what you need? And I want you to think about that just a second. I want you to imagine that because that's 90% of what this is all about. That if you were to go home tonight and you're getting ready for bed and you start stressing out and worrying about what is going to come tomorrow, God, how am I going to make it through this surgery? God, how am I going to make these finances meet to provide for my family? God, am I going to have the strength to deal with this marital counseling or these personal struggles of depression that I have? What if in the midst of all of those fears and worries and doubt and this anxiety that you're feeling that you pause and you just hear a soft, simple voice say, I know, trust me. I know it's you, but I get shivers when I think about that. When I really start to say, you know what? My God is bigger and better than anything that can come my way. He is more powerful than any of these things. And then I know that even though I may have an uncertainty about the future, my heavenly father knows what I'm going through and what I'm about to go through. And that's why he says, don't worry. And you see, Jesus Christ, the son of God who died for our sins and he rose again and he conquered and he beat death. He was looking at the audience this day and he's saying, look, I know that there's no way I'm going to say this in a way that you're fully going to understand it. I know there's no words that I could put together to use to convey this image, but what you need to know, even if you struggle with this idea, is that your heavenly father knows what you need and he will always be there to provide it. He will always be there even when you don't think that he is. Even when the emotions come in of the uncertainty of tomorrow, your father knows and he will be there. And then he gives an alternative to kind of help offset the feeling of the crowd. He says, in the midst of you worrying, if you do worry, I want you to seek first. And this word seek first in the Greek, it's actually translated to run after. And it is used interchangeably. You could say, for the pagans, they run after these things. But you, as the children of God, my beloved creation, I want you to run after something entirely and completely different. Something that I have designed for you. And at the epicenter of this explanation of the definition of worry, Jesus is saying worry is about chasing after things that are into tomorrow and trying to bring them into the reality of today. But you can never catch them because they're in tomorrow. He says that is what worry is all about. And why would you try to grab hold of these things? And he says, and if you find yourself doing this, I want to give you an alternative. I want to give you something where you can stop and say, I'm tired of running and I'm ready for something new. And that's why Jesus says probably one of his most important and famous passages I consider in the New Testament. He goes on to say this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, even in the midst of your worry because all of those things will be given to you as well. How powerful is that? 
And so here's Jesus' summary and, and, and kind of how I see it as well. And there's some blanks on your, your outlines, some fill-in area. And you can choose to write this down if you want to, but you don't have to. But this is how I've kind of combated this idea of worry in my life. That when you're tempted to borrow from tomorrow, look for ways to participate in what God is doing today. I'll say that again. When you're tempted to borrow from tomorrow, look for ways to participate in what God is doing today. Think about how powerful that really is if you were to live your life like that, where you're not held down and held back by this worry and this fear and the anxiety, that in those moments, in the dark parts of your life, when you're struggling, when things look bleak, when you're tempted to reach out and start worrying about something and bring it into today, what if you were to stop and say, God, you know what? I don't need to do that because I see what you're currently doing in my life today, and it gives me hope for what you're going to do for me tomorrow. Because so often we reach out for tomorrow, we grab, we bring these worries into today, and we completely miss on what God is doing in our lives right here and right now. And he says, I don't want you to miss that. That's why I'm giving you this alternative. I'm giving you this tool that whenever you start to worry, to think about seeking my kingdom first. And all of these things will be given to you. And Jesus, as we're wrapping this up, he, he brings this last little passage to relabel all of our worry, to kind of help us understand this. Before we go any further, I just want you to real quick think about what it is that you're currently worried about. What are the worries that you feel on your heart, the things that are preventing you from going further in your walk with God or that are stressing you out today or that are making you panic this week or this month? I want you to think about them real quick. And maybe you're like, well, man, I can't do that real quick. I need 15 minutes to sort my life out. But just maybe think of one or two of them. I'm going to give you like 10 seconds to think about what you're truly worrying about this morning. Whatever it is that you just thought of, Jesus wants to relabel that for you. He wants to help you get past whatever that obstacle is. In the next verse, he says, therefore, do not worry about, then if you were to put a blank right here, that's where you would enter in whatever you put as your word. Do not worry about your health. Do not worry about that surgery. Do not worry about your finances. Do not worry about your family issues. Do not worry about the stress and the pains of life. He says, if you're my follower, I want to help you get through these things. And I want to relabel them for you. So simply, whatever you would put in that blank, I want you to simply relabel it as the word tomorrow. So that way, whenever you start to get bogged down by this idea of worry, you can pause and think, you know what's wrong with me? I'm worrying about tomorrow. And my heavenly father specifically told me, do not worry about tomorrow. Because you know, in honesty, tomorrow is different for everybody else. You're not really worried about your bills. You're not really worried about your health. You're worried about the uncertainty of what is to come. For one generation, it may be food and drinks and clothing. For another generation, it could be shelter and finances and family. It's different for every single generation. And that's why it says simply label it as tomorrow because everybody's got worries. But the one thing that you can do to help you not worry is to remember this alternative, to seek my kingdom first and my righteousness in your life. And he goes on to say this, for tomorrow will worry about itself. 
And he says this to kind of let us know this isn't some pie in the sky, don't worry, be happy kind of teaching. He's like, I know this is going to be hard, but recognize each day has enough trouble of its own. So why on earth would you want to grab tomorrow's trouble and add it to the trouble you're currently experiencing today? It just doesn't make sense. But what does make sense is that if you trust your father, he will be there with you to help you carry that load today. And he'll be waiting on you to help you carry that load tomorrow. So there's no need to worry or drag from tomorrow into today. So here's the point. If you like filling in the blanks, that's where the last two bullet points as we're wrapping this up come from. And this is the main point. What if you really believed that? What if you really believed that your heavenly father knows what you're going through? What if you really believe that your heavenly father values you so much that your life and your future are at the forefront of his mind and that he is waiting on you? What if you believe that? The better question is our second fill in the blank. Why not believe that? What do you have to lose? Why wouldn't you want to believe that? And here's the thing that if you choose not to place your faith in your father, if you choose to focus on this idea of worry all the time, you're placing your faith in a constant state of worry. Jesus says, no, I never intended that for you. I never wanted you to have to be bogged down and weighed down by these pressures. He says, I've made you a promise. You know what my promise is? That if you seek first my kingdom, I will seek first your kingdom. That if you do the things that I have asked you to do, I will be there every step of the way to provide whatever it is that you truly need. See, that's his promise to us but we overshadow that by worry and doubt and bringing these burdens into our lives. But Jesus says, no, when you're worried, it should trigger a kingdom mindset where you break free from this idea of what my little worries may be in this one specific time and start thinking about, God, what does it look like to truly seek first your kingdom? Because your kingdom is bigger than my kingdom could ever be. And you may be sitting here this morning thinking, Matt, that's easy to say. That sounds great in theory, but how do I actually apply this? Like worry, it overwhelms my life. I can't escape it. There's nothing that I can do to break free from worry. But it brings me back to my original question. Who of you by worrying can add even a single hour to your life? Who of you by worrying can add value to the things that you feel are the most important to your life? And the answer is no one. Nobody can do these things. And that's why Jesus says, don't worry, because worrying is about tomorrow. And trust me, I've got tomorrow covered. Trust me, I will be there with you just as I am there with you today, helping you every step of the way. I will be there for you tomorrow, helping you every step of the way. So don't overload yourself with what is to come, but focus on seeking my kingdom first and what I am doing today. And I will be there for you every step of the way. So don't worry. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, it's so easy to stand up here and just to speak these things than it is for us to, to walk off stage and to do them, to walk out of this room and to do them. And it just seems to be a part of our human experience for us to worry. And God, for some of us, it's, it's a little deal. For some of us, it may be a bigger deal where it's so big that, God, we're not even really sure that we can cast all our cares upon you because we're not convinced that you care that much about us. 
Father, for anyone that decides to essentially just to put this practice into place in their their lives, God, to go and say, God, I am not going to worry. I'm going to trust on you for tomorrow. God, I pray that they would gain confidence in you. God, that you, that they would see your hand in their lives and in such a way that it would explode their faith and their confidence in you. And Father, as the worry creeps in, God, even before this day is over, God, that you would bring back to our minds the teachings of Jesus, who with a smile on his faith, he said, don't be a little faither, but trust in God. Trust in your heavenly Father. So Father, give us wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard and the courage to do it. Because God, you not only sent your son to die for our sins, but he rose from the dead. And at the end of the day, we have no reason to worry. We pray this in your heavenly name. Amen.